Sup Freaks, this rip of RHR is live. It's a hot one. Matt and I went about an hour and a half. I think you guys are really going to like it. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. I hope you already know about them. They uh, came out with some hot news this week. They updated uh, Caravan with some hot new features. We talk about it in the episode, so I won't be repetitive. Unchained is offering you, uh, offering Bitcoiners, uh, financial services with security uh, in mind at all times throughout the whole process. So they have their Volt program where you can engage in a two or three multi-sig quorum with Unchained. You hold two keys. Uh, you can use Trezor or Ledger right now. They're working on cold card. Uh, and then Unchained holds one key in that two or three quorum. Uh, if you ever want to move your UTXOs out of the vault, you can do so by yourself with your two keys. But if you only have one key on you and you need Unchained to sign that second of three key to move out of the vault, they are there for you. On top of that, they have their collateralized loans where you can use Bitcoin as collateral to get U.S. dollar liquidity. You put Bitcoin in a multi-sig. You can always track uh, where your Bitcoin is throughout the duration of the loan to make sure they're not moving it. Uh, you put the Bitcoin in the multi-sig address, uh, you get U.S. dollar liquidity, and you go spend that as long as you're paying back uh, your loan and making sure your collateral levels are in line with the loan structure. You are good to go. On top of that, they're working on incredible open source tech like Caravan. Caravan's open source. You can download that and use that by yourself without Unchained being in the quorum. Uh, Slip39, Hermit, or two other open source projects they've been working on. And they've got an incredible blog series, Parker Lewis, uh, with Gradually Then Suddenly. Phil Geiger's been putting out some great content. They got Will Cole on the product team describing what they're building. And Drew Bonsall and Joe Kelly rounding out the content. And, well, not the content team. They do much more than content. Uh, go to www.unchained-capital.com to check out what they're doing. That's www.unchained-capital.com. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them as well, I hope. They're helping you stack sats. They're helping you send sats, receive sats, sell sats if you have to. Uh, and sats is the standard. I've recently made sats the standard on the Cash App. And on top of that, you can DCA on the Cash App now. You can set it and forget it if you want to. And on top of that, you can stack slivers of stonks. I know a few of you freaks get angry when I read this part, but get over it. Grow up. All right, Cash App Investing lets you buy a sliver of a stock. If your favorite stock is a little too expensive, you can buy as little as $1. Because it's directly connected to your bank account or because it may even be your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting periods. You can start investing today. Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square, a member SIPC. As always, use the code STACKINGSATS. That's one word, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Across. Guess what, freaks? I have an owl that's, like, stationed outside of my uh, room where I am right now, so I have uh, good practice this morning. He was hooing, and I was practicing my owl call for this read. Use the code STACKINGSATS, download the cash up today, and enjoy this rip. It was a great one. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that 
In a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt, this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Week entrance by me. Sorry, Matt. Uh, happy Thursday. How are things going? Things are going well. Bottle pop. Hard- Bottle pop gets the freaks horny. Hard to complain. It feels like a bull market. Do you think? Yeah, it does. I mean, our boy Paul has not capitulated yet. He hasn't. He hasn't sold. He's still pumping the corn. Feels like a bull market. Has he pumped it recently? No, nah, I don't know. I'm just speaking out. He my probably ass. already capitulated, to be honest. You think so? Nah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just fucking playing. I, I, I've did so many people. I've, I've like shilled Bitcoin to for years, and then they reach out to me. And they're like, I finally bought it, and then it goes up like a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. They're like, Yeah, I sold. It was the best trade ever. I'm like, Ah, almost had you. Enjoy that tax burden. Uh, you'll be back at a higher price, wishing you didn't sell. Uh, feels like a bull market. Price has been um, falling the last couple of days after a nice, I think it had like an eight-week run there where the price went up consistently over eight weeks. We had a red candle last week, and we're making another red candle right now, currently according to Clark Moody's dashboard. The price of Bitcoin is $9,028.00. Or if you spend spend a dollar to buy some sats you're going to get 11,077 sats and it was just uh, under 9,000 before we started yeah so uh, the vegeta memes correct pronunciation are probably uh probably making the rounds right now unless people are too tired to bring them back um i have a confession which, uh, like i had no idea who vegeta was until we hit 9k the first time no idea. The the reference went completely over my head. It's never into Dragon Ball Z. Sorry, freaks. See, that, that's what makes me embarrassed. I was pronouncing it Vegeta. Uh, that one episode where I got made fun of. I was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan uh, growing up. I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Obviously, you weren't that big of a fan. Yeah, I mean, I stopped when probably like 15 years ago, so it's a little fuzzy in my mind. I've had a few concussions since, since the last time I watched Dragon Ball Z. Talking um, about concussions, you're getting a surfboard, new surfboard. Getting a new surfboard tomorrow. Uh, probably shouldn't talk about it, but I got a little backhand deal at the local surf shop. Going to meet the guy and do some shopping, some black market shopping for a surfboard tomorrow. Wait, both the surf shop uh, stores closed and the beach is, is the beach still closed? Beach is back open. So that's why I'm going to buy you one. See, beach is open. You see the bullshit that's happening between de Blasio and Long Island? No, what is it? Uh, he refuses to open the New York City beaches, which is fucking ridiculous. Like, all outside areas should be fucking open. I mean, I think all businesses should be allowed to open if they want to open. Um, but he's he's keeping the New York City beaches closed. So the Long Island uh, politicians said New York, New York City residents aren't allowed at our beaches. And de Blasio's, like, freaking out at them, you know? He's like, oh, that's ridiculous, it's discriminatory, like, you shouldn't be discriminatory against our citizens, stuff like that. And it's like, fucking ridiculous, dude, then open your beaches. Fuck you, de Blasio. Fucking loser. Cheers to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm buying a surfboard tomorrow. Uh, I haven't 
I think the last board I got was probably like 10 years ago. It's a bit waterlogged. I like to ride long boards. So tomorrow I'm going to go pick up a 9 to 10 foot single fin in a wetsuit and get in the water. Um, Weather's been fucking gorgeous. It has been. Um, it's uh, it's going to be going to be good this weekend too. So I'm excited to get back in the water. It's good. Good therapy. Surfing uh, is a great way to get connected with nature. I'm happy that uh, I'm going to be doing it more often now, especially since I'm probably going to be down here through the summer so might as well start now damn right yeah um i guess we'll just stay on clark Moody's dashboard Ooh, almost spilt my drink on my laptop that would have been bad um, what are you drinking today marty some cider some ciders taking it easy got the in-laws downstairs don't want them looking at me weird drinking whiskey um was that was that a slight so, at me no i mean no not at all not at all I'm envious of of the Macallan that you're drinking. There you go. It's twelve years. Uh, twelve years of Bitcoin. Macallan twelve. We're gonna have to go with the sixteen year for the next having. We got a. We did another bottle of Michter's arrived. I had a couple sips of that. What the, the other fuck, night. dude? You you opened it without me? I'm sorry. I had to. Um, drink half yeah, of it. For- drink half of it and mail it to me. <laughs> hey, that uh, that Michter's was awarded for a Ben I wrote. Uh, but we will share it. We will split it in half. I got a DM. Um, I got a DM to expect it. Hopefully, um, uh, yeah. When are we gonna do this in person next? Uh, now, now we're getting all emotional. I should just. I gotta drive up at some point, either next week or the week after, before my wife gets off maternity leave to pick up some stuff. So we should do a uh, in person episode then. I'm ready. Mental note. I'm ready. Can do it next week. Um. Yeah, it's time. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been too long. Um, we're at block height 631,217. Wrote about it this morning. We had a downward difficulty adjustment earlier this week. Uh, that was a negative 6% difficulty adjustment. Since then, uh, it seems like hash rate has fallen off the network. Blocks are slowing down. Uh, over the last, since the last difficulty adjustment earlier this week, blocks have been coming in around 12 minutes, 11 minutes, 54 seconds. Uh, they sped up today though. Uh, this morning when I wrote the bent, the estimated difficulty change of the next adjustment was around 19%. Currently it is sitting around 16%. Uh, and that is scheduled to happen on June 4th. Obviously that is subject to change. We're still 1,807 blocks away from that. So that could extend or, um, contract depending on how much hash rate comes on or off the network uh, this has uh, been uh, been something that's been interesting to follow since the the subsidy having is the average fees versus subsidy has been rising uh, over the last t- 2016 blocks uh, it's around 10.84 percent but if you have more recent block data like uh, the estimated next block fees or subsidy is th- around 35 percent so few freaks remember um, uh, recent episodes of RHR, the subsidy over the last 2016 blocks has been around 3 2 to 3%, so that's up to almost 11%, which should be expected if the subsidy is going to get cut in half. Uh, but the next, like the more recent blocks, like hovering around 35% is pretty interesting. Uh, the reward value right now is seven, $76,500. Um, what else did I want to point out here? 
yeah, fees have been have been going up. Well, one thing precipitously. While we're talking about uh, block reward and subsidy, um, we were discussing the having last week because the having had just happened, um, and I mentioned off the cuff that the having happened right in the middle of this current difficulty adjustment. Right. So in in this situation, we had um, hash rate spiked leading into the having and obviously dropped off after the having um but the current the 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 previous difficulty period we just had the difficulty adjustment period we had had half of each right so it didn't really factor down as much as you know maybe maybe it should have it's it's going to need another difficulty adjustment and i kind of i insinuated that it always falls halfway between and that that is not the case. One time it, it fell, the first time it, I think it fell in the first third of the difficulty adjustment, um, and the second time it fell, uh, I'm I'm not sure like two fifths or something, but it, it falls at different points. Yes, and that's actually something I've come to realize. Just people responding to the bent. Uh, some people think that you're going to have a difficulty adjustment on the same block that there is a subsidy having. That's just not the case. I think there is maybe one having where they line up at some point in the future. So the second Um, one fell a third into the adjustment and the first one fell uh, one eighth into it. What is 0.16? Yeah, one eighth. Yeah, one eighth around there. Yeah, yeah. You just divide yeah. the block by by twenty sixteen because that's what the difficulty adjustments are. Yeah. Um, another you know, so, so today, uh, speaking of fees versus the block subsidy, I mean, the amount of Bitcoin, like regardless of the subsidy getting it cut in half, for uh, the amount of Bitcoin. Uh, amount of the block rewards being made up of fees is, is rising pretty significantly. I'm on btc.com right now. Uh, and today, uh, t- transaction fees are, looks like they're going to hit 192 Bitcoin at least, which is uh, pretty significant. Yeah. Fees uh, are pumping. That's what, yeah. that's what's getting me really bullish. Yeah. Like in the beginning of February or the end of February, uh, 10 transaction fees per day was around 23. So we're, today we're going to about almost about to hit nine or excuse me, 200 at 192. So not quite 10 X, but an eight to nine X increase in fees. Uh, mempools are full. I wrote about it today. Uh, the, this morning my mempool had like 56,000 or 53,877 transactions waiting in it. Clark Moody's was showing 59,663. Currently, Clark Moody's dashboard is showing around 53,000. So the mempools, his mempools stay pretty consistent throughout the day. Someone said um, it's, what, a yearly high for for mempool size? Average yes. mempool size? But yeah. anecdotally, this feels like the strongest fee spike we've had since 2017. Would you not agree? 
Are you starting? I don't think it's as. I'm starting to get. It's not as bad. Yeah, sorry. It's not as bad as 20 cents. There's definitely more. There's definitely more activity. I say I would say activities around there, but the, the fees aren't that bad. If you look at. Uh, I'm saying since 2017, Joe, like 2017 oh, yeah, totally. was bigger, but are you start? I'm starting to feel fee FOMO. Are you starting to feel fee FOMO? You know, like ah, I should have sent a transaction last week. You know, like that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm starting to feel. And I haven't really felt that since like that peak in 2017. All, all the other times well, there's been spikes, I'm always like, eh, it'll be gone in a couple of days. Well, Matt, shout out to you. You lit a fire under my ass to get my nodes set up and uh, get Whirlpool and Dojo set up. So I've actually been doing a lot of a lot of UTXO management to get stuff mixed and put into cold storage. So I actually feel like I've been on top of things recently. I don't have too much fee FOMO right now. It feels fantastic to have my lightning channels open, to already be in Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Whirlpool's been ripping. Uh, we just passed March, March's volume uh, for May, so we haven't broke April yet, but March was the second highest month. Um, and so Whirlpool's been ripping, and you know I don't have to pay transaction fees for that. Uh, because new entrants pay that. And then with lightning, I, like I'm all set and ready to go on lightning. So for, if I, if I need to make a fast transaction, I don't have to worry about paying a high fee. I can set a low fee and wait. I can lower my time preference there and it feels good. Yes. And so unless we go on a rip roaring bull market, uh, after this next difficulty adjustment, you may have an opportunity to get, get your stuff in order and prepare um, before the rip boring bear market comes or bear market bull market uh, if it comes hey it's not a foregone conclusion well, you still have an opportunity right now if you set a low fee it should get confirmed um, yeah that's what i wanted to say like uh i wrote about it today joho i hope i'm pronouncing this right joho's bitcoin mempool statistics great visualization web website for the mempool and uh fees per block if you look at it uh over the last few days, two to two to ten sat per byte transactions have been getting cleared. Not all of them, but a good chunk of them have. So if you're willing to wait, only a couple of days, a few days, or pay fifteen sats clear. per byte. You know, you don't have to get the two sats per byte in there. And if you're sending it to yourself, if you're opening a channel, if you're trying to enter Whirlpool or prepare yourself for Join Market uh, to be a maker in Join Market, like you don't. It doesn't matter if it doesn't confirm worse comes to worse. You can just double spend it. It's yourself. You're just interacting with yourself. The only time you really have to worry about confirmation time is, is if you're sending to to a, to another party. Like if you have a counterparty that needs to receive it, needs to get the confirm. If you're trying to buy something or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Time preference, lower it. If you can wait. Your cold storage can wait. Even if it's a friend. I would, I would assume. If it's a friend, you know, if, if, if there's a mutual agreement there, like don't be the dick that pays your friend for drinks with a one sat per bite um, without discussing it with him ahead of time. But if you guys are on, you have a mutual agreement there, like you can do that too. Or start out with one sat per bite. Be like, hey, give me a five-day window. Make it an RBF transaction. Make sure it's RBF and then you can... Replace that fee later if it's going too slow. Well, if there's change, you can always do child pays for parent too, after the fact. That as well. Um, yeah, so be aware. It's, ex- I mean, exciting times and the fact that we're 10 days after the halving. Uh, it's, and that's what I said in the bent today. It's just beautiful to see the network just 
work and self-calibrate and people, us individuals have to uh, react to that. The, the demand for block space, uh, taking into consideration how quickly or slowly the blocks are coming in because of hash rate that has fallen on or off the network. And we have to adapt to the way the network's operating at a given point in time. And I think that's beautiful. It is, uh, it is one of the trade-offs that we, that we make to have this peer-to-peer distributed network, um, this apolitical messaging system that allows us to send transactions that people don't want us to. The real question comes down to, um, so, so part of the reason right now for this fee pressure is because the difficulty didn't really adjust as much um, as, as, as it probably should have because, because the halving happened midway through the difficulty adjustment period, right? So this next adjustment right now is forecast at minus 16%. Um, and the time, yes. the block time, the average block time of this difficulty period has been almost 12 minutes. So the question really comes down to is, is when that difficulty adjustment happens, um, and, and block time speed up, do we, does the fee pressure alleviate or do we hit a, hit a new, new proper fee FOMO? I think it'll alleviate. I, I bet it'll alleviate a, a, a little bit over the weekend too. It always that, alleviates like, over the weekend because everyone just goes surfing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and another thing to take into consideration between now and the next Difficulty adjustment, which is scheduled for June fourth, right now. This morning, it was it was projected on Clark's dashboard to be the biggest downward difficulty adjustment ever at around nineteen percent. Um, so to see it around sixteen right now is is promising. Well, not even promising; it's just interesting. Yeah. But something to take into consideration is the fact that after immediately after the having, I imagine there were a bunch of miners who had S nines that had uh, higher sent per kilowatt hour uh, power cost that shut off their machines. And then there's people on the other end of the spectrum with very cheap energy who bought those machines. And I would imagine there's a bunch of machines in transit right now to low cost energy miners um, who are going to plug, who could potentially plug those in before the next difficulty adjustment. But the, the other uh, thing which, is, is these incentives are fucking gorgeous, right? So, so blocks slow down because hash rate drops off. And profitability drops off for a lot of miners. For all miners, profitability dropped off, but some are, you know, less profitable than others, depending on their fixed costs and their variable costs. Um, but the because of that, the fee pressure rises, and the fee pressure itself increases the profitability, right? So as when you have all these fees lining up, and all of a sudden miners can collect those fees on top of the subsidy then all of a sudden some miners might turn back on just to collect the fees. So it, it is really exactly. beautiful. Satoshi, what did you do? What did you do, you, you stinky butt, creating this this beautiful incentive system? It just works. Driven by human greed. Um, we, will, we will be keeping you freaks up to date on this. Obviously, we'll have at least one more rabbit hole recap between now and the next difficulty adjustment. Um, so we'll see how things change. Will it be the, the largest difficulty adjustment to date downward difficulty adjustment? Uh, we shall see. What is the largest Doesn't, previous one? Uh, negative 18.7%, I believe I was looking this morning. That we break it. I'm going to go under. 
I'm going to go under as well. I think, uh, I do think, I would imagine there are S9s in transit to people with very low energy costs that will get plugged in before um, before the next adjustment. I would, I would be confident in saying that's probably happening. Um, all right, let's get into these topics. Before we do, though, we've got a couple shout-outs. Thank you for your freaks. You guys can chat, get a shout-out read on air. If you go to tftc.io slash contribute. Uh, this is a very flattering shout-out. I always feel a little awkward when I read these because you're just like, it feels like I'm blowing smoke up my own ass, but this freak paid for it. I have to read it. This is the way the shout outs work. I had to, I had to read the word penis about a hundred times last week. So it'd be, it'd be wrong of me not to read this one. Marty and Matt, thank you for the great service you provide to the Bitcoin community and society in general. I don't know about that. With this podcast, not only do you provide great informative content, you have inspired me to help others learn more about Bitcoin and its many benefits, especially given the current state of the economy. I've known about Bitcoin for many years, but I never really grasped the importance of contributing to the Bitcoin community and helping others until recently. Keep up the great work, and thanks for the reminder to always stay humble and stack sats. Fuck yeah. Mr. Shaw, Mr. Shaw 256 from the internet. Thank you, Mr. Shaw 256. I, uh, I'm happy that you're liking the content. Is that his Twitter handle? Uh, I don't know. That'd be an amazing Twitter handle if he has that Twitter handle. Anyway, I love you, Freak. Thank you for the kind words. It means a lot. Thank you, Mr. Shaw 256 This is why we do it. This is why we fucking do it. Yeah, and uh, speaking of doing it, uh, the next shout-out is just four words. Just keep doing it! Exclamation point. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did not know that. Um, So just keep doing it was the second shout-out this week. I think... A little secret for the nope. freaks. Marty surprises me with the shout outs. I like it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody needs a little surprise every once in a while. Um, thank you, freaks, for the shout outs. Really appreciate them. Mr. Shot256. I hope you're doing well today and having a great Thursday afternoon. Uh, really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, that is the, the reason I started the newsletter in this podcast was to just get quality information out about Bitcoin. Um, the friends we've made along the way is a, is a nice added bonus. Yep. That's why I destroyed my OPSEC. Love you freaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of destroying stuff, people have been trying to destroy cold cards this week. Uh, Ledger came out and they announced that they had found a vulnerability in the pin code recovery on cold card MK2 wallets on the Mark twos. Uh, this was a supply chain attack, correct? So, no, it's not. No? Um, so, the it's a very interesting... First of all, Ledger Donjon, which is their uh, penetration testing division, uh, is fantastic. They just throw tons and tons of money and expertise at these devices, and they make us all more secure. Um, so, in this case... It's a cold card MK2, right? The, the latest model is the MK3, which is unaffected. Um, and it requires physical access to the device. It requires a $200,000 machine. And it requires the expertise to use the machine because you have one shot at it. And it also requires that the cold card doesn't use a... You're not using a passphrase. If you're using a passphrase, the passphrase isn't stored on the device. They weren't able to pull the seed which I think is bullish in itself. I think this reads mostly, you know, and I'm going to get accused of being 
a major cold card shill, which I am. Shill. Um, I'm a also, I, I love the product. I'm a user of the product. Uh, this is, they were not able, after all these months, they spent months with this device. They were not able to pull the seed from the device. But what they were able to do was they were able to pull the pin. And then once they pulled the pin, they used the pin to access the funds. But if your passphrase isn't on the device, which you can't keep the passphrase on the device, you can keep it on a separate SD card. So if you have, I guess if you have the SD card in the device, then it's there. But uh, with with the pin, they're able to then move the funds. And this is why the MK3, first of all, uses, I, I, I believe it uses a different secure element, like the updated version of the secure element. Ledger actually responsibly disclosed the vulnerability with the secure element to the secure element vendor that cold card uses. Um, and that's one of the reasons why this release was delayed because that, that vendor needed to update their, their secure element. Um, but, but yeah, so they, so they weren't able to pull the seed, but they can, but they can get the pin from a MK2 if you have, physical access and if you have an mk3 it is it is not uh vulnerable to this attack and hopefully we'll see um you know we'll see if they can break the mk3 i'm sure they've been working on it for a while now uh so i i, I appreciate all of these attacks um and and I, I i do i do we have we have said in the past here that you should try and secure your your hardware in a way that People can't get physical access to it to begin with. So first they need to get physical access to the device, and then they have to use their $200,000 machine and their expertise to, to access it. But we have linked in the show notes both Ledger's disclosure, which is fantastic, extremely detailed, and cold cards. Um, so you should, you should give them a read. And if you don't have an, an MK3 yet, you're still using MK2, consider, consider upgrading, which is what Ledger said. I'm telling you, it read like an advertisement. Almost for cold card. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a cold card user myself, and uh, I agree with what you just said. Worry about the physical security of it. it. This attack cannot be done unless they have access to your cold card. So hide it well, secure it well. Um, that's gonna be like a little cottage industry moving forward as hardware wall- if hardware wallets continue to proliferate. What's well, so like it's physical? physical security of them. Yeah, like safes, I'd like to see th- safes and shit and like you can hide them in books and all these different places you can hide them and the thing is when you said <laughs> when you said safes and shit I just for some reason I thought of safedine you just have a bunch of safedines <laughs> protecting your cold cards with their arms crossed you just get it with their toe <laughs> just, shoes just, just lecturing you on uh, Austrian economics um, once you approach I mean that the, would probably that's gonna stop most attackers if you, have, <laughs> if, you if you just have them there lecturing um, I the the new so with the MK3 now you can so one of the big arguments against passphrase so the whole idea of a passphrase is that the passphrase is not on the device and it's not generated by the device it's a separate secret and it's added as uh, your twenty fifth word you get these seed words you get these twenty four seed words the backup words your secret backup words which I like to call them because people don't know what seed is um, and it's not on the device. But the, ma- the major issue with that is, so where do you store that passphrase? And what happens is the most secure way to do that is in your memory. And that means you end up with a very simple passphrase. 
so with with the MK3, you're actually able to encrypt that passphrase onto an SD card, which basically turns it into like a a physical two-factor authentication, right? So you need the SD card in the cold card to access the funds. And so you can keep those in separate places. You can back them up in separate places and you can keep them in separate places. So in that type of situation, um, it, you know, it, it makes it way more difficult, even if they're able to somehow compromise the seed or the pin, they didn't, they didn't compromise the seed here, but if they're able to compromise the seed or the pin, uh, they still need that passphrase. And if you have it on, if it's a very, and they could brute force that passphrase. That's the idea. Oh, that's the other thing. That's what I meant to mention earlier. And I lost my train of thought. So I switched to something else. Uh, like the professional that I am. Uh, the, one of the things they changed, if, if people are, if people remember one of the things that he, that Rodolfo changed with the MK3 was that he made it so that the pin, if you have, if you have 13, missed pins it automatically uh kills it right and that's because this attack what they basically do is they're able to brute force the pin because they have they 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 use a laser two hundred thousand dollar laser to get to get to the point where they can just hit the pin with a ton of ton of different combinations until they finally hit the right pin they're not actually extracting the pin they're they're brute forcing the pin so with the mk3 it, it after 13 failed attempts it breaks the device um, that's a nice little hard coded way to, to stop this type of attack. And if you, if you ask Rodolfo why he picked 13, it was just, it, you just felt like it was a good number. There's no reason why 13 is the number because it usually, when you brute force these things, it's going to take you a thousand, 2000, 10,000 times, uh, to like brute force a pin. 13th times your charm. Never heard that one before. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Beware. Update your firmware if you're running cold cards. And uh, shout out to Rodolfo, making dope hardware. Thank you. Yeah, firmware has, to order my- you should update your firmware, but firmware has nothing to do with this attack, just to be clear to the freaks. Uh, there's no way, yeah. you cannot update your MK2 firmware to prevent this laser fault injection attack. Yeah, it seems like a this laser fault injection attack seems pretty, uh, pretty, like it doesn't seem worthwhile to go through all that. One day, I hope our boys at Ledger invite us into the donjon. I want to go into the donjon. I want to see all this equipment. That would be fucking dope. We'll go, we'll go over to Paris or wherever they are in France and, and check it out. I would really love to do that. That would be... Well, Matt, I like that you're accepting that idea into the people at Ledger who may be listening to this. And yeah, shout out to the donjon crew for getting into this stuff and, and really driving the industry forward by putting pointing out some of these pain points some of these in or some of these uh these loose ends if you will uh this is something both very passionate about i wrote about it in the bent i saw you going off on twitter and just a little bit block BlockFi around this time last week uh had a a breach of their systems one of their employees got sim swaps uh it seems that their back office system was using sms 2FA uh, for accessing that system and uh, as a result of that SIM swap a hacker got into their systems and was able to get uh, personal information and a, some account activity of blo- of half of the BlockFi users I believe um, so we're talking do you, do you think they email waited? address name do you think they waited till after RHR got dropped potentially I don't know 
Um, maybe. No, I doubt it. No, they knew about they it for a week. For that. They knew about it for did a week not. before they disclosed it. I thought it happened around this time last week. I thought it happened. Like they Thursday. disclosed it right after. They disclosed it Friday morning, right? I thought it happened the 14th. I'm pretty sure they disclosed it Friday morning, but the, the actual situation happened a week before it. I hope BlockFi does not take uh, the show into consideration when, when thinking about advising or I'm, advising their clients about things that have happened. Um, so, yeah. Employee got SIM swapped. SMS2FA uh, allowed the hacker to get into their systems. Names physical addresses, uh, account activity, um, and I believe like uh, account balances were were um, were available to the hacker. And that's the thing that pissed me off most is is the um, number one that they're using SMS two FA for these critical systems, which are sec- securing very sensitive data. And then two, that the physical addresses got leaked. Man, that that really pisses me off. Just thinking as like a Bitcoiner. Like and somebody who has a family now and a young son, like having that information exposed to a hacker who can just take that information and just sell it on the dark web to people in the areas of BlockFi users who were exposed and say, hey, I know this Bitcoiner in this town has X amount of, he at least had X amount of Bitcoin on BlockFi at this given point in time. Here's his address if you want to go hit him with a wrench. Um, so I have the incident report open right now. I apologize, freaks. I, I don't know where I got the week before thing, but you were correct. The compromise happened on May 14th. Um, this, this incident report was emailed to about to only the affected BlockFi customers. So they did not send it. This is what pisses me off the most, um, besides what you mentioned, is, is that they sent this to half their, only the BlockFi users that were compromised. They didn't post it on their blog. They didn't post it on Twitter. Um, all the higher-ups at BlockFi have been completely silent on Twitter. Uh, the promoters have not... Most of the promoters, like, tons of people were shilling their ref links. They didn't talk about it. They were all silent. Um, we need transparency. We need disclosure. People need to be aware of these type of things. Uh, they're they a major security risk, uh, as you said, for that reason. They were also... They're, they're, they're super vague. Uh, so it's name, email address, date of birth, physical address listed on the account. And they say something, they say activity history, which I assume to believe balances deposits and withdrawals. Uh, some people are saying it was only pending withdrawal addresses. But see, those addresses are key, right? Because if they have the addresses, BlockFi already has a history of flagging Wasabi deposits, which I think is probably because... Wasabi was using that fixed fee address before, so they were flagging it based on proximity, not because it was a coin join. But they have actively said that they will flag coin join. They I, all we know is that they've flagged these Wasabi transactions. Um, but you combine those things together, and then all of a sudden, an attacker has the ability to look into your balances that aren't held on on BlockFi. They can see your past and future transactions that you make on chain if you don't use coin join, if you don't if you don't attempt to use some kind of privacy preserving techniques to prevent this kind of, of, of spying. And, and most people aren't doing that. Right. So it becomes a major, major threat. And not only, not only was an attacker able to get through this with just a, 
a, a very simple SIM swap, which we know in this space is a very common, easy thing to do. Unfortunately, that is just the reality. Um, why the fuck does the marketing department have access to this? How do you get access to a marketer's, you know, one, one of their salespeople's accounts and you're able, like that salesperson could be a threat to begin with, right? Like that is an issue to me. That this is, this is something I've been trying to distill. I, I like to call it custodial privacy. And like, you're not just trusting these people with your coins. You're trusting them with your privacy. You're trusting them with private information. And in a lot of situations, that could be a bigger risk. That could be more valuable. And because of bank secrecy rules, they're not allowed to delete this information. So you have to choose. If you do use a service that has KYC, you have to choose someone that you truly trust. Because that, that trust, like, that, that has to run deep. Because that's going to last for a decade. Like, they're, they're going to keep those records for a long fucking time. And, and, and this isn't just Bitcoin related. You know, like Gmail is, is, is custodial privacy. Like Gmail, Google reads all of your fucking emails. So like you have to factor these decisions in when you use these services that you're disclosing private information to. It's, it's extremely important. And it should be shouted from the fucking rooftops. I, I completely agree. That's what I wrote in the bed. Like we need to abolish the Bank Secrecy Act. We've talked about this many times on this podcast, like KYC AML, it's becoming more and more obvious that it probably does more harm than good. It does so much more harm than good. And when you get these kind of leaks, what happens is, is like malicious actors get to use stolen, sold information to open accounts. So you're not, it's not effective. You don't stop criminals. Honest users face bigger risk of, of extortion and theft and and just violence and just all these bad things but the the malicious users they just use stolen or bought data like that's what they use like they're, 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 it is not effective one bit it is it is kind of needed i understand why it's needed in the current financial system because there's rampant credit card fraud and they try and basically band-aid over that issue but with bitcoin we have we have a it's a push system, baby. Yeah, exactly. It's a push system um, that that has very good guarantees in terms of once you receive the, the the money that it can't get clawed back from you. So so this is completely unnecessary. It is completely unnecessary. It's ineffective and it's fucking dangerous. And I completely understand. I said this on Twitter. I completely understand that these regulated companies have to do this kind of information collection, that they have to deal with this burdensome regulation. And I, I sympathize with that. I mean, look, I would never, this is the reason why I've never started a Bitcoin company, particularly because we live in New York and we have the bit license, which is even stricter um, than in, in most other places. Um, and this is why I haven't done it because I don't want to deal with this burdensome regulation, but come on guys. You spent years, years fighting for the ability to dump shit coins, unregistered securities on fucking retail. Fight for user privacy. That's all. That's all I want. I just, I just, I want them to put up the same kind of fight or half the fight. Put up half the fight. There's, there's no fight there. They're just rolling over and, and acquiescing there. And, and they don't, the trade-offs aren't fucking clear. It's, it's not clear to someone that they give this information over and it, it's not secured properly, and it can't be deleted. You can't delete it. You, people are saying delete BlockFi. You can't delete your BlockFi account. You can, like, 
semi-delete it, but all the data is still there. It's all it's all still there. Yeah. And again, like if you are going to go down the route of taking on the burden of complying with these KYC AML laws, especially as a Bitcoin company, you have you have to go the extra mile from a security perspective and make sure you're doing your best to lock down that information and make sure that it cannot be stolen from people and having SMS 2FA available and this data available Amateur to the marketing hour. team. It's yeah, it's, I mean, and it's tough. Cause like, I can, like, I like Zach. They I, used to be I, a sponsor I, of the podcast. Yeah. The New York I, Bitcoiners. I, I love Zach. I feel I, that's the thing. Like, I, it's a shitty situation. I feel terrible that this happened to BlockFi. Um, but if anything, this should be used as a teachable moment for other companies in the space. Like, you, we can't like that. You can't have SMS to FA anywhere in your security protocol. It's just uh, it's untenable and, because it's such a it's such a loose end. It's not even. And this is this is why I also say like if 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 you're going to use a KYC service, like you shouldn't use many of them. You know, you pick and choose, like have one or two trusted parties that you that you trust with this fucking information. Don't don't spread it out. Don't sign up for like a million different services. Like pick your services wisely if they require KYC and try and minimize that exposure as much as possible. Like obviously the 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 ideal is no KYC whatsoever, no KYC exposure whatsoever. But if you're going to you you need to pick and choose and you ne- you need to be very selective you can't you can't sign up for every KYC exchange and service out there like you can't do that that is you're just opening yourself up you are going to get wrecked in terms of privacy yeah and i mean i had a blockfi user was affected by this reach out to me in my dms and he, he said he doesn't care about the bitcoin them knowing how much bitcoin he has the care. He cares about them knowing his address and that he has Bitcoin, and he's got a wife and kids. And he said he's he was he was shook, like physically shook from it. And it is. And they gave you a twenty five dollar gift card and just said it wasn't, wasn't even a, big a gift deal. card. And uh, I feel a little shitty saying this, but like that's why we have the advertisers that we do on this, this podcast because I trust their product and I, I trust that I know Drew has a security first mindset and that's how they approach their product at Unchained. And I know Cash App really takes this stuff really seriously too. If, if, um, if there is a compromise, if there's a compromise and there's no responsible disclosure I mean, even even if there is a responsible disclosure, we're gonna talk about it on this fucking pod. We're gonna tell the freaks. We're gonna if 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 there if there is no responsible disclosure, I'm gonna be fucking livid. I would be fucking livid at Unchained. I'd be fucking livid at Cash App. Like they, they, that doesn't change anything for me. And I think it's it's the only responsible move for BlockFi promoters is to make this very clear to to their audience because BlockFi is failing here. They to this day. You know, the, the attack happened on May 14th. It is May 21st. It has been a week. There is no mention on the blog. There is no mention on Twitter. Twitter is radio silent completely. Like, that is, all their customers have not been emailed. Some customers are telling me phone numbers might have been compromised. I haven't been able to confirm it. 
Well, we're we're sitting in the dark. We're sitting in the dark because they fucking are just hiding. They're just trying to hide from it and just let it blow under the rug. That is not that is not what we should expect from these companies. These companies they should be held to a higher standard. Yeah, I'm looking at their blog now. This is actually a bad look. So fucking bad. They have that one hand wavy post about like how users should secure their account with whitelisting addresses, which first of all is a practice that I don't agree with at all because you shouldn't be reusing withdrawal addresses and how the user should enable two factor, which is fucking ridiculous. That was released on the 18th. Yeah. I mean, extreme ownership. If we're never um, extremely owning our side of the deal, let us know freaks. Um, keep us honest yeah don't trust Ugh. all right yeah again i feel shitty that that happened to block i feel bad for everybody involved but hopefully everybody can learn from this and it's uh it's a hiccup that that makes the industry stronger in the long run it's a it's a case study to learn from uh whirlpool may volume passed march volume already not April, but March. Whirlpoolstats.com. Uh, at at whirlpoolstats.com. We're currently sitting at uh, 1,583.1 uh, Bitcoin um, volume. Is it volume? Yeah, it's volume. Like uh, in terms of. It includes uh, remixing. Keep that in mind. It's not just fresh Bitcoin. Uh, Clark has the fresh number. I think it's like five, five, a little over 500 over the last 30 days on his, on his dashboard. Um, I just want to just. I know we just spent 10, 15 minutes on this. And I honestly, we wouldn't have to if it was responsibly disclosed. Like, let, let's make that clear here. But this is why, and I, it's important. I think it's important that when these bad situations happen, we use them as learning experiences. This is a perfect example of why CoinJoin usage needs to be normalized. Like, it's, it's, it's it, if you are in this situation... And you just had deposit addresses and withdrawal addresses leaked to a malicious actor. Like the only way you can make sure that 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 user that that that, that person or or entity or whoever they sell that information to isn't able to track future transactions is if you if you use CoinJoin. And and will it be perfect? No, <laughs> you know. And you have to understand that. But but it it is a major way for you to protect your. To, to, to help mitigate that privacy concern. Uh, and it, it can't be frowned upon. You can't be closing accounts based on CoinJoin usage. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out here to Rafael Yacobi, at CA Crypto Lawyer on Twitter. He's a lawyer that is actually trying to be very vocal about the point that it, it is not illegal to CoinJoin. Exchanges do not have to comply with what chain analysis companies make them believe they do. Um, you, you should allow your your customers to coin join uh it's, there's nothing wrong with privacy and he's a lawyer on the front lines trying to make this point uh very vocally to custodians um around the industry first of all I love Raphael. i met him he's a great dude um and and the the other the the other thing here is is it's important to make clear here that the majority of companies do not flag coin joins there's been five instances, and every single instance has also coincided 
with the Wasabi fixed fee address. So hopefully, hopefully we do not see widespread coin join. We might. You can see it on chain. It's very obvious on chain. But hopefully we don't see widespread coin join blocking. Um, we have only seen five companies do it, and it's always been with the Wasabi fixed fee address involved, which has since been removed. So hopefully we don't see that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I sent straight. I've been sending straight from Cash App to Whirlpool recently without a hitch. Um, you should at least do a transaction in between, but fuck it. I don't. I don't think it's a coincidence that Cash App hasn't has, hasn't done anything about it yet. You don't think it's a coincidence? You think they're based, or I think they're based. Yeah, it? yeah, boss. Um. Yeah, should be aware. I mean, yeah, learning, learning pains, learning pains here. Uh, Cobra, this is interesting. He claims he's going to pass off Bitcoin.org uh, at some point later this year. So if you freaks don't know, I think we talked about it like three or four weeks ago. Um, there was, uh, so Thamos, who runs, who has been the moderator of uh, our Bitcoin and a, a pretty big influential moderator on BitcoinTalk.org. Yeah, Bitcoin Talk. He was almost more. Inf- he was more influential on Bitcoin Talk than. Yes. Yeah. Uh, him and Cobra. Him and Cobra had joint custody of the Bitcoin.org and BitcoinTalk.org domains. Uh, Ten days ago, Cobra came out in his GitHub page and announced that he uh, will be giving up the domain at some point. Here's his letter. First of all. Happy having everyone. So he did this on the having. I just want to inform you that I'll gradually be reducing my involvement in Bitcoin.org this year. It won't happen instantly, but hopefully by the end of the year, I won't be around anymore. Over the years, I'm glad to have helped contribute to a project that has let so many millions of people learn about Bitcoin. It's really a massive honor. The domain name will be left in trusted hands. I have a few people in mind already. Alternatively, if anyone knows of any individuals or organizations that would be good, feel free to suggest either here or privately. Just DM me on Twitter. Ultimately, trust is very hard to measure, but I plan to be thorough and meticulous here and find the right people. I guess for a lot of people, this will probably be some sort of relief. I can't say I've gotten along well with everyone, and some people have questioned my judgment. Hopefully, whoever comes after me doesn't get sucked into drama as easily as I did sometimes. Though That's also largely a product of being around in pretty dramatic times. Bitcoin.org really is an amazing resource, and we need to continue working on it and keep improving it with Bitcoin being as complicated as it is for new people to understand, sites like Bitcoin.org are key to get to getting more mainstream adoption, especially in avoiding getting Bitcoin labeled as some get-rich-quick scheme. If we've had any collaboration over the years, I appreciate your contributions and have learned a lot from many of you. I wish everyone good luck and success. Thank you. No doubt Bitcoin will keep succeeding and reaching new milestones with such a great community behind it. That's interesting. So for- It'll be interesting to see who gets it. Yeah, so first of all, like... Uh, they, they, the first announcement was like two weeks ago, as Marty said, that Thamos and Cobra split up ownership. So Thamos has complete ownership of Bitcoin Talk, um, which is what for the longest time was the, the, the major way for Bitcoiners to to discuss Bitcoin besides the mailing there's list a lot of, IRC. There's a lot of Satoshi's writings on Bitcoin Talk. Exactly. It's really cool to go, um, to go look so, at those. So Thamos controls that. Cobra took full ownership of Bitcoin.org. Now he's saying he's going to pass it on. We will see. You know, it hasn't happened yet. It is good to see 
this this the the phrasing he used and and just the the idea behind it. Um, he is a nim, so we don't know if he passes it to himself, which is important to keep in mind. Hopefully, he passes it to some of the major contributors to uh, Bitcoin.org because it you know it is it is has been an open source group contribution over there. Um, so like we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it plays out, but but this is you know he could pass it on to someone who is worse you know so so we we will see how it works out but it, it is definitely a something that that people should keep an eye on yeah and this is uh i mean when we announced the split of bitcointalk.org and bitcoin.org a couple of weeks ago uh we mentioned that greg maxwell was a little worried about this because i believe you can download um you can download bitcoin core software probably the main place people download Bitcoin core software from. Yeah. So people are worried that is an attack vector if a nefarious entity were to have control of this website, particularly they could, um, they could load up a bad repository and have people download. That reminds me, we don't have it on the list, but did you see Bitcoin paperwallet.com was compromised? No, I did not see that. Historically, that's not good. Historically in the past, People have used when I first got into Bitcoin. It was the main way of 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 securely storing your Bitcoin if you were just a normal pleb. Uh, was was generating these these paper wallets and printing them out, and then destroying the printer afterwards was the best practice because these printers have memory, um, and you would use a website to do it. Um, and BitcoinPaperWallet.com is obviously a key domain, right? So they offered this service. It was bought by someone else, and since it was bought, it is being used to deliver malicious software. So you should not use BitcoinPaperWallet.com. You really shouldn't use any of these paper wallet generators. Uh, it's just it's just poor form. Like if 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 you want to create a paper wallet without a hardware wallet, you should run Tails OS. Um, it's it's a privacy focused OS that when you pull out the U, that you run on a USB drive when you pull out the USB drive it wipes everything on your computer and you just write down the seed and that way you don't have to destroy a perfectly good printer either because you you so you, it has Electrum built in you just you just run it you run Electrum it all everything runs through Tor automatically it's it's through the Tor Foundation tails and and you just you just write down you write down the seed on a piece of paper don't don't use any of these these sites yeah yeah try to uh i i prefer creating a seed offline well you could so with these sites you could save it offline um you could save the page even back in the day the best practice was you would you would save the page offline and then you would you would actually generate it offline but if the entropy is is broken um if they're if they're feeding you if they're feeding you broken entropy broken randomness they can then compromise Easily. they can sweep it yeah. after the fact so it doesn't really yeah. protect you yep be aware freaks be aware if you're thinking about making paper wallets in the web browser or via a website that's serving you the software to do it beware uh huge news we we touched on this a couple of weeks ago because we had just seen the demo uh but it was officially announced yesterday unchained capital has released their updated version of caravan it's got some new bells and whistles, including 
uh, XPUB keys. So instead of having one address in this multi-sig quorum, you can upload an XPUB key and create multiple addresses or send Bitcoin to different addresses. So you're just not reusing addresses. That's pretty huge. Um, we have coin selection on top of that. So you can select your UTXOs uh, individually when you want to send. Uh, on the Trezor, you can now see your address on the Trezor device instead of in the browser, which is a huge upgrade. Because like we just described, browsers can sometimes be uh, fed malicious software, which could feed you a bad address. So being able to see the address on Trezor specifically is huge. Um, what else am I missing here, Matt? Those are, uh, those are, I mean, the two big ones are that it's an HD wallet that you get multiple addresses, right? Which is hierarchical deterministic wallet. So you get multiple addresses oh, and, and the coin selection goes hand in hand there, right? Because now that you have multiple addresses, you should be able to pick which UTXO you want to spend. The verification on the treasure is nice. Um, hopefully we see that get added to other hardware wallets. But if you have the treasure as one of the multi-sig signers, then that does, that does secure it to a pretty, pretty good standard. And it, it, it is, Caravan is an extremely easy way for someone to use self-sovereign multi-sig. Um, you know, we, st we still have a lot of room for improvement here, but it's in, it's within grasp. I, to this day, I, I think, you know, Caravan is, is a game changer for people. We, you know, I did with American HODL and keep it simple Bitcoin. We did a multi-sig before this update with the old one where you can only get one address and we did it while drinking, you know, and, and American, Keep it simple. He he knows what he's doing. American Hoddle has no idea what he's fucking doing. If American Hoddle can do it while drinking, <laughs> like most people, it's within reach of most people. Hey, maybe he plays dumb. Maybe he plays dumb. Uh, no, and again, like that's going back to like why I trust on chain is they put a security first mindset and they build open source tools that they then implement in their processes. So they're going to be using this at Unchained. And another really cool thing. That's the thing I forgot. Is that, is that they have a hardware wallet testing suite, which is dope. And they've set up this thing where you can test out multi-sig with them where they'll have a private key uh, that they have and they'll uh, make that available in this testing suite for a two, two signature so you can test that the multi-sig works before you create your own. Um, and then without you can just test the... It. Without funds on it, and yeah. And you can test... You could test like whether or not the wallets are compatible with each other, whether they're updated, the firmware is matching what uh, is on Caravan, and it's just a uh, like beyond creating a multi-sig address and quorum with with others. It's actually creating like a really good standardized testing suite for for hardware wallet developers. Two things is first of all, cold cards not supported yet, which is disappointing. They said they're working on it, and the second thing is. It's just great to see a company release open source software that really directly competes with their service offering, right? So like they they offer a service where you can be a multi-sig vault where they're a cosigner, where they know your transactions, but they're your trusted cosigner and they control one of the keys. And they release this open source software that allows you to basically just remove them from the equation. You know, you can use a friend or a family member as your cosigner instead using Caravan. And like that just shows the motives, right? It just shows what they're that they're giving back to the to this to the network and to the community. And I want to see more of that. I think that is I think when you give back 
to Bitcoin, Bitcoin gives back to you. And I, I just want to see yeah. a lot more of that. Yeah. Obviously they're a sponsor. Um, you, you heard the disclaimer. You heard Marty read disclaimer, the ad disclaimer. in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but I, I am a ha- happy customer of the vault service. I do engage. I am not, but <laughs> I respect them yeah. as individuals and as a company. Yeah. Maybe one day you will be. No, I don't. Uh, it's not for me. Caravan is for me. I can't do the, I, I don't want, I don't want a trusted third party cosigner. Hey, to each their own. I, I like the comfort of that, at least for a part of my stash, not all my stash, obviously. Um, but I do have the vault. I had to check my keys this week. That is one thing I'd like to, is that they make sure that, that you know where your keys are and that they're actually the keys that you think they are. Um, enough about that, though. This is interesting. Crystal surveillance, which is uh, it's BitFuries, right? Yeah, fuck BitFuries. Bit yeah, so they came out with a report. They're, they're privacy haters, too. Um, basically, repo- findings on the Darknet use of Bitcoin. Uh, they found that the amount of Bitcoin transferred between Darknet entities and other entity types declined in Q1 2020 compared to the same period last year. But the value amount of the Bitcoin uh, grew by 65%. That makes sense. Since the price has risen pretty significantly Bullish. since then. Um didn't they? They had some coin join stats in here too. Well, right? no. Uh, they said mixing, which yeah. they conflated centralized mixers with coin join. Uh, they conflated custodial mixers with coin join, which which pissed me off. Some of these coin join tools, Samurai Wasabi, are centralized, but they're not custodial. Uh, join market is not centralized or custodial, um, but they conflated all of them together. But the the fact that darknet usage is up in terms of in terms of fiat value, dollar value, which is, uh, you know, love it or hate it is, is the unit of account. No, you gotta love it. You gotta is, love it. That's you gotta bullish. embrace it. That That is bullish. It is. It means bullish. Bitcoin's working. That yeah. means Bitcoin's working. Bitcoin. If Bitcoin does not serve these use cases, it doesn't work. And keep in mind, this is darknet usage during a global pandemic, right? Has gone up. Where 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 countries around the world are locking down their populace uh, has gone up, so that's pretty crazy to me. That in a good yeah. way. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't support everything that goes on in the dark nets. No, not at all. Um, but it like love it or hate it. Again, this is what Bitcoin was created for, and if it doesn't serve the use case of people being able to buy drugs online without a third party or a government being able to find it or shut it down, then uh, Bitcoin doesn't really doesn't make any sense or work. If you, it's not censorship resistant. Yeah, if you can block a drug dealer, you can block a refugee or a protester or a dissident. Uh, speaking of tracking, Apple and Google, I was so pissed when I saw this. And Tim Cook like tweeting about it, like we're helping the world. Well, no, I I shilled I shilled our guide video, and it was like the top of his comment section. So that's a positive Boss. sign. Apple and Google release updates, adding coronavirus people tracking capability. <laughs> you like my people? Uh, I like calling it people tracking. I like people. They call tracking. it contact tracing, but I like calling it people tracking. Well, that's, uh, I had a uh, Dave column on and we've talked about this. So, uh, I Dave, I had another three hour conversation with Dave column yesterday. When does that he drop? brought up? 
uh, sometime next week, maybe over the weekend. It was a really good one. Uh, I love that dude. Uh, but he brought up the uh, the video from South Beach where they found all those fucking spring breakers and followed them across the country, those little yellow dots. He's like, they're already tracking us. Like, they're just looking for excuses to make it more acceptable. Um, yeah, this is normalizing. It's normalizing and in- increasing their data set. It's making their data set more exact, right? Because they're able to track you using your cell phone connection. They basically, they triangulate between three cell phone towers, uh, which is what they've historically been doing. But now they're using Bluetooth to actually see like if you're in a room with someone, if you're in direct contact with someone and they're baking it in at the OS level. Um, It's fucked. So so when you have Apple and Google on board, uh, you're talking 90% of phones, 95% of phones are going to have this this ability activated within them. And then it comes down to what apps start using this API, start using this functionality. Um, and you really, to fight back, we have like two options here. Uh, you just stop using phones or at least smartphones. Um, you know, I guess three options. You want to use burner SIMs. You want to use SIMs that aren't connected, SIM cards, phone numbers that aren't connected to your identity. But then you're going to have to rotate them because... If they see where you work and see where you live, uh, they can end up connecting it to your identity. So it's it gets very convoluted. Um, obviously, the ideal situation is you just stop carrying a phone with you everywhere you go. Um, it also has a microphone and a camera on it, keep in mind. But if you need to have a smartphone, I really think people should consider Graphene OS, which is a hardened version of Android that's privacy-focused. It's free open-source software. You can install it on Pixel devices. Uh, because they're more open and they, they do the new ones have have these secure chips on them. Um, and I'm, you, all you freaks know, but we have a guide up at TFTC.TV on our YouTube channel until YouTube bans us. Um, I'm telling Marty, I've been telling Marty, Marty, they're going to ban us pretty soon. Like it's going to happen. Uh, they're not going to. Yeah. We're going to get humble. pulled. We're going to get pulled. It's it's Nothing it's not right. humble. They pull small accounts. We're a tiny fucking YouTube account. They pull they they're more likely to pull a small account than a big account. Well, the thing I think we have in our advantage is we just have static images. So they probably don't even pay attention to us. Anyway, graphene is uh well we have static images for the episodes, but we don't have static images for the guides. But anyway, graphene OS sure. way easier to install than you think it is. Marty figured it out. Uh, I did. So, hey, like, I'm getting more technically competent. There you go. We're working on it. The, the freaks. You guys can figure it out. Like you can do it. It's very workable. It's a very good OS. Um, it was actually fun too. It's a fun, fun little. Uh, you feel like Hacker Man, right? Yeah, yeah. Seeing like the boot and the uh, like the hacker font. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Talking about YouTube censorship. Uh, should we talk about Joe Rogan moving to Spotify exclusive? Yeah, we'll get to that, but no, that's one thing I wanted to mention. I'm leaning, like, with all this stuff coming out, like, I don't have a SIM for my graphene phone yet. I'm thinking about getting one, maybe. It's Wi-Fi only right now, um, but I'm leaning towards just, like, not going out with a phone anymore. Like, fuck it. I actually did three summers where Memorial Day weekend, I, like, broke my phone by, like, dropping it in the toilet, jumping into the ocean with it or something else, and my parents were like, yep you don't have a phone for the summer. So I, I walked around with a little black book with phone numbers in it 
and if I needed to contact somebody, I would just find somebody else's phone and, and reference my little black book to get in contact with who I needed. So I might be going back to the little black book. Um, now is actually a great but, time to buy a SIM card because you can walk in with a mask and gloves and no one and pay with cash and no one will bat an eye. Maybe like they'll bat an eye like, at the cash, unfortunately. Like how, how can we be certain that like this Pixel device is still not pinging metadata back? No, to you know servers? you can't be you can't be absolutely certain, you know. But uh, Daniel McKay, who runs it, is he's a very competent dude. Uh, he he's very passionate about what he does, uh, and it's it's all about. And this is what I I always I always try and distill for the freaks is that. You're never going to get perfection. All of our devices are owned. If they want to individually attack someone, you know, any of these major governments, corporations, they probably can pull it off. Um, you know, definitely the U.S. government. But it, it comes down to mass surveillance, and it comes down to, to making every little bit a little bit dip, more difficult. Just improving yourself. Just every little bit counts. Every little improvement you make counts. It helps. It listen, it. listen to us right now. Listen to us. We're just like, hey, yeah, the government spies on you. They know everything you do. They can attack you if they want to. This is not the social contract that we engaged in when this country started. This should not be acceptable. I mean, yes, people are accepting it. It sucks. But it should not be like that. We should not have this mindset of, oh, it's going to happen. Like we should locally. These people fucking hate you. They want to control you. They are following you around with your metadata. And they're going to use that to put you in your fucking pod and make you eat the grubs. All right. Uh, here we're starting a new segment before we get to the Joe Rogan segment. We're starting a new segment here on, on RHR and it's called your tax dollars at work. Just to highlight the people that are enacting these same laws and these same tracking mechanisms, the incompetence and pure evil, I would say pure evil that they are able to, uh, enact on the world with your tax dollars. You go, you work hard. The Fed inflates away your purchasing power, uh, so they don't respect your time or your energy at all. And then they take half your paycheck. It goes through this black box, and it gets it gets distributed to these alphabet agencies, one of which is the FBI. And here's what they do with your money. Your tax dollars at work, a new segment. FBI. The FBI busted a human sex trafficking ring of women and children. However, they had to drop the case because too many FBI agents were engaged in sex acts with the victims. All right? That's your tax dollars at work. Do they say how many? I mean, it was a pretty big it was a pretty big uh, sex trafficking ring that they were going to take down, but they had to drop the case because it would be too embarrassing for the FBI because the agents were all fucking little kids. This reminds me of uh, the agents that took down Ross. And they both just had their like hands in the the pie as well. They were just stealing money. Yeah. What was his name? Do you remember his name? You know who I'm talking about? There was two of them. I, I forget exactly. Name. Yeah, yeah. They stole his Bitcoin. They fucking well, they, got caught. They had like other a bunch Bitcoin of idiots. scams they were running as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is your tax dollars at work. Yeah. Fuck these people. They don't care about you. Okay, so let's talk about Joe Rogan. What do you think about <sighs> I that? hate to see it, man. I mean, I've been I've been listening to Joe, not as much recently as I did back in like 2011 to probably 2015. I was a big JRE fan. 
Um, and that's like, I don't want to be the dude that calls a dude to sell out, but sell out. he preached, he preached on his podcast, like about the, the beautiful nature of the openness of podcasting. The best part about podcasts is that it's an open The authenticity. Platform. And I mean, also like the dude got paid. He got his money. He wants to take care of his family. Good for him. But yeah. So if you freaks don't know, Joe Rogan signed huge. Uh, nobody knows the exact number, but people are they're surmising that it's probably north of a hundred million dollars. Three-year contract with Spotify, where in September they're going to start uh, they're going to start sharing his content and the video content as well. And then at the end of the year, it's just going to be exclusively on Spotify. And as somebody who's been listening to this podcast for almost a decade now, uh, it feels like that at least. I've I've strictly consumed it on YouTube. Like I'll just have the YouTube video up in the tab and watch it that way. So uh, I don't know if I will be consuming that podcast as much anymore. Or more importantly, uh, any podcast app. You can listen to it in literally any podcast app you wanted to yeah. that supported RSS feeds. Oh, an open standard. You know, that was the beauty. It's like we have Netflix, we have Amazon, we have Apple TV. They're all competing. They all have their exclusivity agreements. Podcasting was like the last vestige, uh, like a kind of alongside blogging, but blogging has been compartmentalized as well recently. And I, I just see this move. I see this move. I see Spotify bought Anchor. Uh, disclosure, we use Anchor. Uh, and I, I just, I, I think we see, we see these exclusivities happen more and more where people have to download the specific app. And the next step after that, what's going to happen next is you can still listen for free, but the ads are going to be unskippable. It's going to be a fucking mess. Like, it's going to... This the is thing I worry about is censorship in the longer. Once you silo it into a few platforms, and like it's easier to censor. Well, he is saying it's an anti-censorship move. YouTube was demonetizing him, doing all these things. So now Spotify is going to give him like openness. Uh, yeah, right now, right now that might be the case. But once that, it's a money grab, that market- which is fine. Get your money, but let's not pretend it's anything else than that. And I, I'm, I'm worried. I like I. I first of all, I refuse any exclusive pod- I'm not listening to any app exclusive podcast. It's over. Like I like I if I can't get it on AntennaPod on my fucking graphing device, I'm not gonna listen to it. It's not even I mean, it's partly ideological, but it's just a convenience thing. Like I, I listen to I I like listening on podcasts through an app of my choice on my phone. Like I'm not going to you know, I'll, I'll listen to something else. What if he asked you to come on the podcast? Would you do it, Joe? I'm, I'm not only am I happy to come on the podcast to tell you you're fucking ruining podcasts by doing this. With the second half, we can reserve for Bitcoin, and we can do both because, like, I think he's way less likely to have me on for just Bitcoin. So, if you want to talk about <laughs> if you want to talk about both, I'm I'm happy to talk about both. I still to this day think he should have Alex Gladstein on if he's going to have any Bitcoiner on. Um, I would agree there. I wouldn't mind going on Jerry. Best chill in the selfishly space. admit that. Yeah, but neither would I. Fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, We'd have a great time. Let's smoke a blunt, drink some whiskey, and talk about how Spotify's ruining the podcast industry. Well, dude, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know, I, I can't talk about, I don't think I could talk about like the research that call I had with Spotify, but like it seems like that's where they want to go is they want these platforms they, they want these platforms to take over it's not just spotify and, and just like looking at our numbers like only five percent of you freaks listen to this podcast via spotify if we were to do something like this 
we would cut 95% of our audience off and I, and I would, I would, but the thing is, the ma- I'd be very surprised to see if a material amount of people wound up downloading Spotify. The majority of listeners podcast. listen through Apple podcasts, right? No, a majority listen. 54% are in the, the other, the, the uh, other great proud of you freaks. Yeah. The freaks listening through Apple podcasts, consider getting a pixel Spot- phone and installing graphene. But I like I see yeah. Apple. Apple's really the dominator right here. I think Apple Podcasts is probably the the mainstay. They're they're getting the most listeners, and they're going to do exclusives too. Like this doesn't stop at Spotify. All the platforms are going to start. Well, the race is the race has just started. You got the biggest podcaster in the fucking world. No number Out two, there. call her daddy, baby. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> Fucking Portnoy uh, was able to surpass him right before the announcement, which is fucking ridiculous. Incredible. Ah, Dave Portnoy may be, disclaimer, my old boss, Dis- maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe the, the biggest media mogul in the world right now. I'd, I'd, I'd be confident in saying that. He'll, he'll go down in history as probably the smartest media man of our generation. You think he's going to run for president? Imagine. I wouldn't be surprised. I was telling, I was telling you earlier this week. He ran for the mayor of Boston. Like, even if he doesn't do it seriously, he would definitely do it for content. It's a great content play. Yeah, yeah. Him and Musk teaming up. Yeah, I could see him running. Like, it's it's different winning. I think uh, somebody who's good friends with him and has him on a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker Carlson actually runs at some point in the next eight years. When Portnoy on the pod is he going to come on? I don't. I might be a person non grata. I may be. I may be uh, the one that got away. I might be uh, lumped into the bubbly gang. We're the one that uh, got which, away. I uh, I still keep in contact with a lot of my friends at Barstool. When uh, I'm I'm very interested to see what happens when the Bitcoin price uh, uh, starts going up again, if it does. Dave, come on. It's we'll, not guaranteed. We'll make Marty come to the city to do it live, and we'll do it in person. I'll come, Dave. I won't even speak. I'll just, I'll just drink whiskey in the corner while you guys, while you guys record. Maybe I'll, Dave maybe I'll is, scream some things into the mic. Dave is definitely not listening to this podcast. No, no, no. Right but now. maybe someone from Barstool is listening. Forward it to Dave. Jack Mack, Jack Mack, if you're listening, you send the, uh, send the, send the, the message up the ladder. Uh, CCP. China, this was fucking disgusting to see. The Chinese Communist Party increases the pressure on Hong Kongers. They had uh, Democratic Hong Kong politicians physically removed from their parliament building, and then they had a vote where the communist uh, the communist um, uh, party won, obviously, because they took out all the people who would have voted against them. And there was video of it. They physically removed people and seems like Hong Kong may be lost from a political standpoint. And it's really sad to the see. The writing has been on the wall for a while, but it's a real fucking shame. And I have a lot of respect for the Hong Kongers who keep fighting back. Uh, we need more yeah. of that. More of that, man. More of that. Yeah. Real shame. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking disgusting, man. And, uh, there's a tweet. Miles retweeted it today. Let me pull it up real quick. But it's like we're watching another Tiananmen Square massacre in real time. It's uh, not as vi- vi- violent as that was. That was the main guy, uh, Joshua Wong, I think. Uh, he got arrested during the umbrella protests, and he rose to fame in that regard. Uh, major freedom fighter over in Hong Kong. 
Let me find this real quick. Um, watching the fate, Maya Wong. No, no, no. He just—I don't know why, what that means, but it's Joshua Wong is his name. Oh, it is. But he changed okay. his username. Watching the fate of Hong Kong people being decided in Beijing tonight was like watching the Tiananmen Square massacre in Beijing in 1989. That same feeling of powerlessness, the sadness about the rights of people being trampled on. Freaks, it's 2020. Human liberty is is being attacked from all angles. And again, we pick on the CCP a lot, like we talked about earlier. And here in America, these people don't fucking care about you, and they're going to trample on your rights. They are trampling on your rights. Like it is, we are the frogs in the pot of water. And the, guess what? The water's almost at a full boil. They're they're here to take all these civil liberties, and uh, it is becoming very clear that some people in the intelligence community here in the United States are actually a little mad that we're not on the same level as the Chinese Communist Party and their surveillance state. They want us to compete with them in those regards and surpass them in those regards. I was, uh, Freedom of Freedom of Information Act documents have, have proven this. I, and I was just in Hong it, Kong. In, in last, last January, I was in Hong Kong. Beautiful culture, beautiful people. It's just a really, it's a fucking shame. Yeah, and it could happen here. Don't think it can't happen here. I that reminds me, it may- I wanted to bring up, I, I, I think that it's really interesting, and I, I'm not sure what to take away from it yet. Marty got a call, but it's really interesting. Marty, I put mine on Do Not Disturb while I'm in, while I'm in the podcast. Sorry, um, my no brother worries. wants to FaceTime. Uh, <laughs> you should have brought him into the... No, I, I think it's really interesting how this, this movement in America where not wearing a mask is an act of defiance. Um, Masks are defiance. Masks historically and will always be an act of defiance, especially with facial recognition happening. It's really interesting how there's this whole group of people that think not wearing a mask is the act of defiance just because the government has mandated it. Right. Like there's something to take away from here. I'm not sure what it is to take away from here. Maybe, maybe that definition. I mean, stick up for those people. Definition. Definitionally, that is defiance. They're defying the government. I guess. I guess. But like, so like what if the government ban, if the government mandates that everyone needs to send end to end encrypted messages, what act of defiance is to just send clear text messages to everyone. Like we should just stop using encryption. Like, is that, is that a defiance? Like that it's a very interesting psychological thing that has happened here. Like how the fuck did wearing a mask become the submissive thing and not wearing a mask become the defiance thing? I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a case study. It is interesting to see though. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what goes on as uh, as the summer rolls on. Weird times, weird times. Shout out to any of you freaks listening in Hong Kong right now. It's a real shame what's going on there. And like, so is this? Are they basically completely shit out of luck at this point? Is that the nail in the coffin for for freedom in Hong Kong? I think it's been the nail in the coffin for a while. But like, the reason I just thought of that point was because if you told a Hong Konger that we're not wearing a mask was an act of defiance, they would laugh in your fucking face. They would be like, I'm going to fight for my right to wear a mask all the time, whenever, whenever possible. Yeah. <sighs> all right. 
Let's end it on a positive note. You got any positive thoughts in your head right now? Well, we have the Twitter safe space feature that the shit corners are going to abuse and the blue checks that want to be in their little safe space. Not positive. Uh, I'm, we can make fun of people. I'm bullish but. on Bitcoin. That's that's positive. I'm bullish on Bitcoin too. I'm bullish on Americans. Uh, I'm bullish on people around the world fighting back. I think that uh, I'm bullish on humanity. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Should we dive into the Twitter safe space? Yeah. So this feature allows you to pick who's allowed to reply to your tweet. You can choose no one's allowed to reply to your tweet. You can choose only people you mention are allowed to reply to your tweet. And you can choose only people you follow are allowed to reply to your tweet. And this is going to get fucking abused. It's going to get abused by people who shill misinformation. It's going to be abused by shit corners, obviously, who are also shilling misinformation. Imagine a tweet where only the XRP army is allowed to respond to it. Tiffany Hayden tweets out, you know, XRP is going to rule the world. And the only people that are allowed to reply to it are XRP army. Like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, they're prioritizing safe spaces. Pretty much, the the reason is for blue checks, is for these people that are afraid of getting ratioed uh, by plebs. Um, And... They're going to prioritize that when really what they should prioritize is allowing NIMS easier access where you can access without completely doxing yourself and KYCing yourself. I just got into an argument with someone a week ago. Like, Twitter requires like KYC. Like, if it requires phone number, de facto phone number verification, and most phone numbers are KYC'd, that is KYC. Like, that is fucked up. And you don't have proper discourse. You don't have proper discourse if people can't disclose things without giving up their personal information. That was what made Twitter beautiful. That's what made Reddit beautiful before Reddit got overrun. And that's what made Twitter beautiful. That's what will make every media platform going forward beautiful is the fact that people can disclose information and have discussions without revealing personal information if they don't want to. I agree. And going back to the podcasting conversation, like... It may not look exactly like that now, but that's where that that trend naturally ends with the platform sort of owning that content. And it ends in, in them censoring and, and deciding who can talk and who cannot. And yeah, I think this, we'll see. We're two days in, but I, I think it may highly deprecate the, the quality of Twitter. Um, so... Ended on a positive note. Ways to get around this. If you see somebody shilling misinformation, screenshot. If you're on a Mac, shift, command, four. Take that screenshot. You can hold down the the space button, and that helps you sort of uh, calibrate your, your screenshot if you, if, you, if you missed it originally. You screenshot, then you comment on it, and then you allow people to comment on it below your tweet. You don't, you don't, you don't censor anybody from replying to your tweet screenshot the bad take say this person's an idiot and then have a conversation with with anybody who wants to including the person in the screenshot if they want to under your tweet this can be this can be uh combated and i actually think there will be uh, beauty i was talking about this earlier today where i got this idea but i think you, you will see uh very unique trolling come out of this as well we can't tweet stamp their tweets anymore if they don't want us to <gasps> Oh, that pisses me off. I, yeah, I don't use the so, feature. Start with don't using the feature. Don't block people. I'm I'm still against blocking people. 
I'm not against it. I block people. My block list, my you, mute list is empty. I fucking do it. You can do it too. I, I block and mute liberally. I, uh, I don't like DD DDoS attacks on attention. It's good we disagree on things. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, yeah. God, I want to end it on a good note, but it's hard to see all these platforms and and apps that I love so much just deprecating their quality just depreciating right in front bitcoin of bitcoin does not fix this but we will fucking fix this well know, maybe we can end it on a positive note i downloaded juggernaut this week uh the key send p2p the p2p uh messaging app that utilizes lightning and key send uh, built by an encryption built by john Contrell, and it's very sleek um ux connected it to my node and i haven't chatted with anybody yet because i haven't found anybody to chat with so if you freaks are on juggernaut send me your id and we can start chatting there i have a super bullish thing to end on let's do it bitcoinbountyhunt.com fucking dope ass game oh hell yeah i can't play it because it's windows only no one should use windows that's a shame but it seems like their their main user base right now is non-Bitcoiners, which is fantastic. We see Lightning, we see Sats integrated directly into this game. The monetization model is fucking genius. It's based on ads where you can place ads around this first-person shooter that anyone can put the ads up. You pay with Lightning to put the ads up. Those fund Sats in the game so that the players can run around collecting Sats and killing people and collecting their Sats. They run a node within the game. You run your own node, your own Lightning node, non-custodial. And they had to do that because of regulatory reasons, but it's fucking fantastic. That is awesome. Huge. I'm I'm super bullish on this, and Tales from the Crypt is, is now a sponsor of, of that game. Anyone can be a sponsor. And the coolest part is you can go to the game, BitcoinBountyHunt.com slash sponsors, and you can fund the sponsorship of someone else. You don't even have, the sponsor doesn't have to pay for it. You could go there, you could be like, BitcoinCore.org should use some more sponsorship, and you can just fund it with a lightning payment, and it just gives them more credits. That's fucking cool. I'm on there right now. Both Matt and I, uh, unbeknownst to each other, went and made two separate TFTC ads. Um, so they're both they're both uh, out of money right now, so I'm going to replenish you gotta go fund the them. one I put up. Go fund them, freaks. Yeah, I'm going to go fund this. Go fund them. Go fight for liberty. Stack sats. Stay humble. I uh, just stole your, your ending there, Matt. I'm sorry. I love you. Stay humble, stack sats. Peace and love, freaks.